started planning this series on oxygen, just the heart for the Wednesdays was to have more practical teaching. And, and I thought and planned that we were going to do two weeks of hearing from God. But then it's amazing, it's gone on to a third week, and maybe we just need more time to hear him better. Is that okay? And we're in no rush. I, I never want to rush just for the sake of our programs and what we have in order because we want the Holy Spirit to take control of the program and speak into lives and hearts and Uh, And maybe we just need to have another go at this tonight because it's so important that these truths not only register in our minds, but they become a permanent fixture of our hearts. What do I mean by that? That we live by these, that we walk these out each and every day. And I just want you to know from the beginning, are you ready? God is speaking. God is speaking today. God is not silent. In fact, I would almost say this, probably God's speaking more today than any other time in history. Why? Because there are so many atrocities and things that are happening around us. And there's perhaps a greater need for God to speak and to guide his children than ever before in the history of time. But with technology and the busyness and the socialness of our lives, guess what? We've got so busy that we would say, well, I haven't heard him lately. It's because we haven't taken time to listen. It's because we haven't taken time to listen. And the two questions that we've been addressing through these Wednesday nights is this, questions that we've heard a lot when it comes to prayer. The first one is this, how can I hear God? How can I hear God? And then the second question is, how do I know it's God speaking to me? How do I know? And I believe that we've gone through some practical and we're going to finish them off again tonight. And we're going to just give a recap for those of you tonight. And I just think these practical principles, when applied into your life, will really, really help you. But what's our saying that we've said over and over again? Here it is, oxygen. Here's our thought. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. To be a Christian without prayer. In other words, prayer is vital for your life. If you turn around and say, Pastor, I just can't fast. You know what? Fasting is important, but it's prayer and fasting. If you're just fasting, all you're doing is starving yourself and you're just going on a diet. That's a forced diet. So fasting is that which kind of is that time of sacrifice, but it's prayer of that which releases the power and builds those things in our life. So without prayer, it's no more possible to live. And we want you to see how vital that is. And we've been looking at this scripture over the last couple of weeks from Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 1. It is a book in the Bible, Habakkuk. It's one of the minor prophets just kind of before um, Matthew right there. And it says this, I will stand, this is Habakkuk speaking, he said, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampant. 
And I will watch to see what God will say to me, what he will say to me. And what I will answer when I am corrected. You can tell a lot about someone when you correct them. Come on now, you can tell a lot about someone when you correct them. Uh, And that's so important. I don't think you should ever pass judgment on someone until you've corrected them, because maybe they don't know. And what we're hearing through this passage is there, here is, I believe, just an openness for Habakkuk's heart in saying, you know what, God, if what I'm asking is wrong, correct me. Correct me, because I want to answer you when I'm corrected. I want the answer for my mouth to always be correct, I believe is what he's saying. I don't want to ask wrong. I don't want to be wrong. I want the answers that you give to me and the answers I reply. I just want my prayer life, period, he's saying, to be correct and right. So what do we see? If we are going to hear from God, what do we need to do? The first thing we said was we need to get alone with God. Remember that? We talked about that. We need to get alone with God. Psalms 46 verse 10 says, be still and know that I'm God. In the stillness, we know God. Come on, in the stillness, in the quietness, we can discover God. What else did we discover? Point number two, sometimes we have to wait. We have to be patient. It's not easy. We want it now. But God, God's timing is different to us. God's day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day. So if God says to you, wait a second, that can be literally in our time, a number of years, months, whatever. God knows that at the end from the beginning, so he knows the perfect time for our lives. We see the immediate. We are governed by that. God is not. The Bible tells us in Psalms 40 verse 1, it says this, and it says, And he inclined, I waited patiently for the Lord. And what's the promise? And he inclined to me. He leant in. Come on, say with me, he leant in. Come on, as we pray, God leans in to our situation because he wants to hear our cry. The third thing that we discovered if we want to hear God is we can read God. We can read his word. Instead of always listening for a voice, we need to be searching for a verse. Psalms 119 verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It's the direction. It's that which I need in my life. And remember, find a verse. I can't say that strongly enough. Find a verse for where you're at right now. There's a verse in God's word that will give you the strength and the help that you need to make it through the tests, the trials, the joys, the blessings, whatever it is. Find a verse that can help you through those things. The fourth thing we said how we can hear God is we can learn to journal. We can write it down. I know talking with Kelly, The other day, she was just telling me how much she loves to journal and how much of a blessing it is to go back and read through your journaling and see how many prayers that God has answered and just really be encouraged and strengthened with that. It doesn't work for everyone, but I really encourage you, every one of you, to try it. Try during the three days of the fast just to journal down your prayer and then turn over the page or the notepad and write down the miracles that God did in your life yesterday. And you'll be amazed when you begin to see everything that God has done. And then the fifth thing that I believe we're instructed to do when we hear God is we are to find confirmation in that, okay? So what do we do? We review those things and we test them. And that's what I want to finish off talking about tonight because we started of those things. I believe that there's five tests that we can implement in our lives, practical things. I believe that there are five of them that really can help us in our life because too many people, when it comes to their relationship with God, are living by question instead of confidence. 
Come on, they're questioning all the time. Instead of having a confidence and just being obedient and doing, they're always scratching their head, kind of wondering, how can we review these things? Is it God? Is it not? These are five practical tests that we can put in place that I believe that if every one of them is checked, listen to me, every one of them is checked. We're not going for four out of five. We're not going out of one for five. We want every box to be checked because when God does something, he does a completed work. Amen? So everything has to be checked. So go through these tests and don't skip through one. If you can't go through number one, don't even bother going to number two because it's not going to happen. Come on now. You've got to go through these and work through it. So what are they? Number one, we talked about this last week. Here's the first test. Is it consistent with God's word? Is it consistent? In other words, is it in the book? Come on, is it in the Bible? Is it written down in the Bible? It doesn't matter how good it sounds. If it's not biblical, it's not God. Come on. God will never go against his word. Some people say, there's nothing that God cannot do. That's a lie. There are things that God cannot do. And one of the things that God cannot do is God cannot lie. God will not lie. He says in his word, I will not lie. I'm not a son of man that I should lie or repent. Have I not said it? He said, so shall I not do it. So what do we know? God will never go against his word. So if someone says God told you something, it's not in the Bible. And they're saying, as thus saith the God, listen, they've got a small G God. Come on, it's a foreign God. It's not our God. And tell them that. Listen, sorry, you haven't heard from the God that I know. Because that's not scriptural, that's not biblical. So if it's against God's word, it's got to be consistent with God's word. And again, we went into more depth last week on this. I'm trying to move on. Point number two, are you ready? Will it make me more like Christ? That thing that I've heard, that answer, that prayer, that request, that leading in my life, is it about building his kingdom or is it about building my kingdom? And we've got to ask ourselves that because if it's not about making us more like Christ, it's not good and it's definitely not God. Ask yourself this question, you ready? Is it building my relationship with him? Is this going to help me in my walk with God or is it going to pull me away from my walk with God? Is it going to help me to serve in my church and be more connected or is it going to remove me from fellowship, which is a dangerous thing? Come on. Is it going to help me to grow and understanding all these things? Ask yourself here, because if you can be honest with the question, is this affecting my relationship with God? You're going to spare yourself from hours and hours and months and months of heartache and pain. Because if anything's affecting your relationship, I'm telling you right now, if it's not positively affecting it, it's not of God. Because God's not about you digressing in your walk. He's about you progressing in your walk. Everything about God is each day he wants to build you up. He wants to renew you. He wants to make you greater in his image. He wants joy to be increased in your life and blessing. Everything about God is about adding to your life. So if that thing is taking away from your spiritual existence and well-being in your life, then be careful because that is not of God. Proverbs 14, 12 says there is a way. I don't have that scripture, but it says there is a way and it's not the right way. What's the wrong way? The way of man. I can try to convince myself, oh, it's good because, hey, it's going to mean more money and and I'm going to be blessed and I'm going to be able to pay more tithes. Listen, you've got to be in church to pay tithes. I know we've got online giving and text giving, but you know what? The first thing that people forget to do when they're out of church is to pay the tithes. 
So we can turn around and say, oh, I've got the right motive, I've got the right heart. Listen, God judges those kind of things. And I'm telling you, if it's taken you away from him, run the opposite direction. Number three, are you ready? Does my church family confirm that? In other words, what's been preached from the pulpit of this church? Is that in line with what is being preached in the church? Come on, some of you need to stop talking to Sister Flaky. Anyone know a Sister Flaky? Come on, come on. She's never even heard from God in her life. You've got to watch who's speaking into your life and who you're going to for advice because you're always going to find someone that's going to tell you what you want to hear. But we need to ask someone that's going to tell us not what we want to hear, but what we need to hear. I always remember this. Jimmy Swaggart said once as a young man, someone sent him a letter and said, how do you always know what to say to people? How do you discover that? Do you poll people? Do you give it? And he he said, listen, at the end of the day, it's not important what other people want to hear. He said, I preach to them what God tells me they need to hear. Isn't that the truth? It's the truth in our lives. So Does my church confirm it? Look at this. Ephesians 3 verse 10 from the New Living Translation says this. God's purpose in all this was to use the church. God's purpose is to use the church. For what? To display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. You know what God wants to do? God wants to use what's been taught and ministered in this house to display and manifest wisdom and direction for your life. You find direction in the house of God. Come on. We found direction. Faith cometh by what? Hearing. And hearing what? The word of God. This is probably the only time you hear the word of God is when you're in church. And that's what builds your faith. So does my church family confirm it? How does it line up with what's been taught in my church? Because there's lots of teaching out there. I just want you to know that there's lots of false teaching out there. And the Bible says that when the end is drawing nigh, there's going to be a greater manifestation of that. And one of the things the Bible says, it's going to be people who have itching ears. What does it mean by that? They have a scratch? No. They're wanting to be told something that's going to justify the way that they're living in sin. Come on, they want to go for those things that will justify the lifestyle that they have. So they're going with itching ears over those kind of things. Well, what we need to be doing is not trying to justify our sin, but we need to be, what, repenting of our sin and surrendering that and giving it to God. So we've got to watch because not everything that's been preached is biblical. I'm telling you right now, everything that's been preached from this pulpit up to now, including guest preachers, is completely biblical. And if it's not, then the next Sunday or that Sunday, you may even see me stand up and say, excuse me, Sorry, that's not biblical. Why? Because we're not going to have our people mistaught in this house. As pastors, as leaders, we respect this pulpit. We don't just allow anyone to come in this pulpit because there are false prophets and teachers out there who are sent in this world, the Bible says, to deceive many, to turn away many. And so what you've got to ask is this. Ask if it's confirmed in the house. What do those around you think about it? Those close friends you have, your pastors, the leaders in the church, run it by them. Not that you have to come to us for everything, but I think that you know whether it's confirmed in this house or not. And a lot of time, if you've got to ask questions, really you've already got the answer. You just need to follow that and be obedient to that because godly counsel. Look at it, it says, Proverbs ten thirty one: The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut out. 
There's wisdom that can come, but watch for perversity because it's not good. Number four, I love this one. I think this is really good. If it's of God, it's going to be consistent with who God made you to be. It's going to be consistent with the makeup of what God created you. Remind yourself of this from Ephesians 2 verse 10. I am his workmanship. Come on, make it personal. I am his workmanship. I'm created in Christ Jesus for good works. In other words, what? God didn't make any mistakes. I said this earlier, God don't make no mistakes because he makes no junk. None of us are junk. So if I feel that someone maybe prophesies over my life, for an example, and turns around and says, you're going to travel all over the world and I don't like to fly and that's something that's not good to me. If it's not consistent with the kind of person I am and what I feel, be very careful of what's speaking into your life and then go down the list. Is it consistent with God's word and, and just follow through all those kind of things? Because ask yourself, how did God wire me? God made every one of us different. If you don't like kids, we don't want you to be in the nursery. Come on, if you can't sing, sing at home. Don't sing on the platform. Come on, I know it says make a joyful noise. The clarification of joyful is that we can enjoy listening to it. That's joyful. Come on, so we don't want to be putting our hands over our ears. So what did God make you to be? God's not schizophrenic. He's not bipolar doesn't have mood swings where he's swinging one way to the other. God's not making you to be one thing one day and then something else completely the different. different. But I will say this. Are you ready? Be prepared to be stretched. It's going to be a stretching, but that stretching is with what God has made you to be because you will need to be stretched in your life. We went to open house yesterday at Luke's school and they're called the pirates and one of the classrooms was kind of decorated out like pirates and stuff. And on the wall they had painted this saying and it said this, no experienced sailor ever became that way on a smooth sea. Huh? No experienced sailor ever became that way on a smooth sea. There's some stretching that's going to have to happen in your life that's going to develop you and build you. I read something today on Instagram, and if you don't get this, like me on Facebook because you're going to get it tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. So here it is. Are you ready? Big people know that struggling is proof of life. Listen to this. Are you ready? Struggling isn't proof of failure or weakness but it's proof that you have not been conquered. It's the struggle that's going to make you strong. So there is a stretching that's going to take place in your life, but that stretching is going to be consistent with the makeup and the design that God has made you to be. And I love that. We've got to, we don't love the struggle. We don't enjoy the struggle. But with a proper perspective, we can see it differently. We must see it differently. You know, I've been doing some working out lately, and, and here's the problem with me. When I start working out, it, I, I hate how I feel. I, I, I hate it because if, if I'm doing a lot of ups and downs stuff, I, I tried P90X once, and Kelly would tell you the story. It was hilarious for them, not for me. I tried P90X, and it wasn't even the first day. It was just the day where they had to gauge how much you could do before you even went into the program. Anyone done that? So in 30 seconds, you've got to see how much of this you do and then you write it down and then 30 days from now you try it again and hopefully if you could do 10 then you're going to do 15 within 30 days or something so I'm pacing myself so I'm there with Molly and Luke 
And they're doing it with me. So I'm like, okay, how many of these in 30 seconds? So I'm like, okay, that's 12. Molly, how many? 39. I'm like, ugh. Luke's like, you know, 40. So then I go to the next one. Molly's like 102. And I'm like, okay, five. Okay. And I'm just really feeling bad about myself. And, but, you know, even after just doing that 30 minutes, I'm laying, Kelly can tell you, I am laying on the floor fetal position. Seriously, balled up on the floor. I'm as white as a piece of paper. And Molly and Luke run through and says, Mom, Mom, Dad, you've got to come and see him. Come, 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 come. And Molly, Kelly comes through and says, what's wrong, what's wrong? I'm laying in a fetal position on the floor. Kelly said, what's wrong? I said, leave me alone. <laughs> Don't talk to me. I was so nauseated and sick that if I even opened my mouth, I knew that something was going to come out that wasn't good. And I just hate that. For me to work out, if I'm doing stuff, I I hate it that you're doing push-ups and then you're trying to drive in the morning and your arms are like aching so much that you're ending up on the bottom. And I just had to come to a realization today. I'm like this in my mind. I'm like, I hate this feeling. I hate this feeling. And something inside of me says, if you don't start loving that feeling, you will never change. If you don't start loving that feeling, you'll never change. So instead of me saying, I hate how this feels... I changed my tune today and said, you know what? No pain, no gain. We're going to make it through this. And with that change of mentality, it's amazing how that will work in your life. Sometimes we look at the struggles and the stretchings and we say, well, it can't be God. And so many times we can have the wrong perspective of seeing things, but we've got to have the God perspective and we've got to see those things. That's just a bonus for you. That wasn't in my notes today. But, you know, it's just a bonus for you that we've just got to have that in our lives and just see God move in our lives. What number are we on? Number five? Number five. You ready? Number five. Do I sense God's peace about it? Is there a peace that I have? The Bible tells us this about God. He is not the author of confusion. He is not about confusing your life. He's about bringing clarity and order to your life. And you can know that. You can know him. You can know the peace. You can know the voice of God. How do we know that? Read John chapter 10 when you get home. The Bible says the sheep know his voice and what do they do? They follow. They follow what they know. They can know. They hear. They know. And they follow. So you can have a peace. You can know and sense that peace. But what do we try to do? We try to fabricate God's peace. And we try and convince ourselves that we're at peace. Have you ever tried to do that? Yeah, this is God. I know it is. Yeah, I'm telling you. And then you're like, no. You're like talking to you. You're trying to make it happen. I'm telling you right now, it's either peace or it's not. God's not both. So it's either peace or it's not because God's an all-in God. So God's not going to give you half peace in a situation. He's going to give you all peace in a situation. Even in the greatest storms and trials of my life, I've known what it is to have a great peace. Come on. I've known what it is to be frantic in the middle of the storm and shaking Jesus and saying, don't you care? But I know what it also is sometimes to be able to say, Jesus, move over and let me have some of that pillow so I can sleep with you. Come on. I know what it is to have that peace. And I've told myself, if I don't have that peace, I'm not going to act and I'm not going to move. Why? Because I'm stepping out of God's perfect will and plan for my life. I'm stepping out of the timing that God has for my life. Look at this. Philippians 4 verse 7 says, And the peace of God. This has got to be one of your top ten scriptures in the whole Bible, I'm telling you. If you haven't got a top ten list, then this is number one for you right now. And the peace of God, which surpasses, which goes beyond 
all your understanding, all your thoughts, all your reasoning, everything you can come up with in your head, God says, go so much beyond that, and that's what my peace wants to do. Come on. It will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. What we cannot understand, God's peace can still take care of. God's peace can still handle and give to us. His peace can be even present, as I said, in the greatest storm, regardless of all situations. Listen, if there is no Jesus, there's no peace. Come on, N-O Jesus, N-O peace. But K-N-O-W Jesus, then you're going to K-N-O-W peace. Come on, you're going to know peace because you know Jesus. But I want to say something else, and that is this. Sometimes when people don't have a peace, they try to do something to create peace. Doing doesn't produce peace, only obedience does. Just to do something doesn't, but obedience does. And true obedience is doing His will. But it's not just doing what you think, it's doing what He instructs you to do. It's being obedient to Him. Is that cool? So really what I want to do as I end off this is I just want to just talk about another question, if I could, a third question. And the third question that I think a lot of people ask too in their lives, and maybe you're asking it in maybe a slightly different way, but here's the question, and that is this. Why do I need to follow his leadings in my life? Why, why do I need to follow his leadings in my life? And I just think that's so important because I've heard that many times. You know, I want to go my way and do my way. Okay, I know he speaks, and I'm, but at the end of the day, I'm just going to please myself and I'm going to do those things. Why do I need to follow his leadings in my life? I can answer that in a simple way. Are you ready? Because it's going to benefit your life. It's going to benefit your life. I think it would be a good rule for us in anything that we do across the board to ask ourselves a question. If I engage in this, is this going to benefit my life? I think it really would help us to do that in our lives. If I do this or if I do that, is it going to benefit me? What's it going to do? If I'm on this diet, I'm exercising this way, I'm doing this or doing that, how's it going to benefit my life? I remember sitting down one day with Luke. He had this new game that he had, and they had all these pieces and these different lands and everything that you could do. The graphics were great, and everything was awesome. And I said to Luke, what is the benefit of this? What's the thing? And he says, well, there is no benefit. You just kind of... And as soon as he said, there's really no benefit, benefit or there's no not really anything you do you just build stuff and you just do stuff man I'm like wanting to kill stuff and destroy stuff and be a superhero and all this when there's nothing that you're fighting and nothing that you're trying to accomplish I'm like put down the remote and I'm like have fun because to me there was no point sitting there doing something that there wasn't going to be any reward coming from that and that's what we've got to realize in our lives. So many of us are just doing so much stuff that there's no reward being produced in our life. And the only way reward's going to come is to be led by the Holy Spirit. It's to be led by the Holy Spirit. Because if there's no benefit, there's no go. Come on, that's a good statement. No benefit, no go. I'm not going to go if there's no benefit for my life. But what do we say? It's about involving the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is something that is so mistaught today in the church. It's so misunderstood. And so what tends to happen, people tend to steer away from it. Can I tell you why the Holy Spirit? There's two main topics, I think, or two main doctrinal beliefs that I believe are so mistaught in the church today. One is this. Are you ready? Tithing. And the second is the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues. 
And I believe the reason why they are the two greatest under attack is because they are the two greatest means by which God wants to produce blessing and bring blessing and power to your life. We know the results. If you don't, start tithing and you can see the results. God's going to rebuke the devourer. But what do we see about the Holy Spirit? The reason why it's under such attack is because the enemy wants us to forfeit the power that the Holy Spirit wants to accompany our life with. Jesus clearly states this in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He's about to leave this earth. This is some of the last words that he has said. How important are the last words? And he says this, you're going to receive power. Come on, Acts 1, verse 8, he says, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And what is that power's purpose? He said, you shall be a witness. You shall be a witness. Come on, he he wants to make you his witness to this earth through what? The leading of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit being in each and every one of your life. And we believe that there is an experience that we can have that's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is an evidence of speaking in tongues. We believe in an Acts 2 experience that can still happen in your life today. Not just that the Holy Spirit is present in our lives, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, because it's that which leads us to salvation, to repentance. There is a leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But you know what the Holy Spirit wants? He wants complete control of our lives. Come on, he's been called the parakletos. That's what it is in Greek. It literally means this. He wants to be the one caught alongside us. That each and every day, God says, Jesus said these words, I've got to go, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. And we're going to discover what he wants to do in each one of our lives. But it's a gift. He says it's a power. That word is dunamis in the Greek. It's like dynamite. He's a dynamite. He's an energizing power that wants to energize and change each one of our lives. So I want to give you just really quickly four reasons why we need the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we need to be seeking for the Holy Spirit and asking God to fill each one of our lives and to lead us. Number one, are you ready? We need the leading of the Holy Spirit for our eternal destiny. For our eternal destiny. You know what I mean by that? The Holy Spirit is that inner tug. We can call it our convictions. We can call it our conscience. We can call it whatever we want. But the Holy Spirit is like that inner man, that little voice on our shoulder that wants to steer us in the right direction. Every one of us came to Christ because the Holy Spirit worked in the process. Whether he used a message that you came to and there was a preaching and something struck your heart, whether it was a word someone said, today someone talked about, they watched a documentary on TV about Jesus and they realized there was a need in their life. The Holy Spirit worked in the realm of a person or something to tug your heart, to draw you. Look what the Bible says, John 6. I don't have these scriptures on the screen, sorry. I I did my PowerPoint or my message later this afternoon, so it's not their fault, it's my fault, so I apologize. But listen, John 6, 44, write them down. It says, no one can come to me unless the Father sent me, draws him. And what we see from the scripture is it's the role of the Holy Spirit to be the drawing who draws mankind to God, to that place of repentance. Look, John 16, verse 8 says, and when he has come, the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. He will convict of sin and then almost self-righteous sin, come on, of righteousness. We can be righteously sinful 
and, and have that self-righteousness and of judgment in our lives. But who does that? The Holy Spirit. And it goes on in John 16, 13. If you would jump a few verses, it says, When the Spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truths. So it's the Holy Spirit that draws us. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us if we're children of God because he draws that in us. But again, it doesn't just stop at salvation. Come on, he doesn't just stop tugging us. Each and every day, the Holy Spirit wants to be there. When we do the wrong thing, he's knocking on the door saying, Philip, that's not where you need to be. That's not the conversations that you need. That's not where you need to go. Come on. And I need to follow his leading. Why? For my eternal security. Come on, my eternal destiny depends on me following that still voice and leading in my life. Is that okay? Point number two. Here's why I need his leading. I need his leading for assurance in my life. Come on, for assurance that I have, for my assurance as a Christian, I don't have to doubt and be unsure. I can know that I am saved. Have you ever been on a plane and watched as the plane is maybe fully booked and so they've got those who have got tickets and those who are on standby? Have you ever noticed the difference in body language in what's going on with those who have a ticket and know they're good to go and those who are still waiting? Those who have a ticket, they're sitting, they're kicked back, they're relaxing, they're drinking a coffee, they're talking to their family. They just don't care what's happening. They just want. But those who don't have a ticket, what are they doing? They're pacing backwards and forwards. They're, like, they're, they're just antsy. They can't rest. They can't have peace. Think about it in this way. We're going to stand before God one day. Every one of us, even Christians, we're going to stand before the judgment seat of God. And we're going to have to give an account for our life. I wonder what stance we're going to take when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I wonder if we're going to be frantic and going around saying, did I do a good job? Did I do a bad job? What's God going to say? He's going to say, well done. What's he going to say? Or I wonder if we just would fall to our knees and just begin to worship God. You know the difference? It's called the confidence factor. Because when I know that I'm not perfect, but I know that God loves me. What am I going to do? I'm going to worship him. I'm going to thank him. I'm going to rest in him. Look what it says in Romans 8 verse 16. The spirit himself bears witness with what? Our spirit that we are the children of God. Isn't that beautiful? The spirit himself, Romans 8 16, bears witness with our spirit, his spirit with our spirit, that we are what? The children of God. You're my son. You're my daughter. His Holy Spirit wants to confirm that in you so you have assurance in your life. And what a confidence that can be in our lives. There's so many people who are afraid to die. I want to tell you right now, I'm not afraid to die. I like what Jerry Hunt said. He said, I'm not afraid to die. He said, maybe a little bit concerned about how it may happen. But I'm not afraid to die. And that's how I am today. If you've got anxiety today and you, you don't have that insurance, you know what? That anxiety can actually be your best friend because it can allow you to drive yourself into his arms, to take yourself into his arms so you can experience the assurance of God's love. What did the hymn writer say? Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. We can have that. The Holy Spirit wants to give us confirmation that when the enemy tells you, you're not saved, you're not saved, you're not saved, you can know for sure that your name is in the Lamb's book of life. Say, devil, you're a liar and you're a thief because I know and I'm going to sleep really well tonight. Thank you very much. The third reason why we need the leading of God, we need to hear his voice, we need the Holy Spirit to be leading our life is for spiritual growth. 
because every one of us needs to be growing in God. Anything that's living will grow. Anything that's living, I've got to finish, so let me hurry up. John 16, verse 13. The Bible says again, he will guide you into all truths. Truths. I think one of the greatest roles that God and the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life is not for you to have a great tongue life and speak in tongues. I don't think it's for you to have all the nicest things. and all. I think the greatest work that the Holy Spirit wants to do inside of your life is to build character. Just to build the person you are, that there'll be growth in your life, that he'll establish character with you. And you know what I've discovered in my life is that at different seasons in my life, it's like the Holy Spirit is pinpointing different things that he's working on my life. Come on, the Bible's a big book. There's no way that we can learn it all in one sitting. So what do we have to trust in that the Holy Spirit? So here's what we do. We begin to pray and say, God, you know what? I need to know what your word says about being a godly parent and stuff. Get your Bible out. You can call and say, begin to read. But let the Holy Spirit grow you in that realm. And then when you go there, God would take you into another realm and another realm. So you'll just begin to grow in everything. It's just like school. Come on, when you go to school, what do you do in first grade? What do they do in second grade? They build on what you learned in first grade. What do they do in third grade? They build on what? So every year the math's getting a little bit harder and more complex, but the foundation has been laid. That's what the Holy Spirit's growth wants to be in our life. Every year, every month, he wants to build on wherever we're at so we've got a greater knowledge and a greater understanding so we can grow and just see our lives developed. It's laying a foundation that he can build on. And last but not least, the reason why we need the Holy Spirit to hear the voice of God, his leading in our life, is so we can know his plan. Know his plan. And really what we're saying is the true way for my life. You've got to realize tonight you matter to God. He made you and he knows what will fulfill you. His plan is always going to be the best. God's got the right job for you. He's got the right friends for you. He's got the right spouse for you. He's got the right place for you. God's placed you in this church, which is the right place for you. you just got to know that. Because God really is saying to each and every one of you, I know the path that will glorify me and be productive for you, and I want to put you on it. Let me say that one more time. God says, I know the path that will glorify me and be productive for you, and I want to put you on it. But how does he put us on it? How does he do it? Through that small, still voice. Remember a couple of weeks ago, DJ was at the back, and I whispered something from the front, and he couldn't hear till he was right here. Why is that? Because God wants to speak to us in a small, still voice, not because he has a sore throat, and not because he's afraid to shout it out because other people may hear. It's just to demonstrate the fact of the relationship he wants with us. Because to hear a still small voice, you've got to be right up close. And that's the intimacy level that God wants to have with each and every one of our life. And when we listen to God and his steering in, his, in our lives, I'm telling you, God will never, ever steer your life wrong. He'll never steer you in the wrong direction. He'll never make you make the wrong decisions in life. Oh, that leading may take you through some valleys. It may take you through some hard times. But you know what? He uses those too because he has a plan for those. And that's to strengthen you and to build you into what he wants you to be. So what's our role? What do we need to do? If we want to hear God's voice, here's what we've got to do. Two words. Are you ready? Listen. Obey. Listen. Obey.
would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.